the scriptures read, So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots, fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. And when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is surely the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. And when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of, the chariot, of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the commander continued, rather, and the battle continued that day, and the king was propelled up in his chariot, facing the Assyrians, until at evening he died. And the blood of the wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot. And about sunset, a cry went through the army, every man to his city and every man to his country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria, and they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and the prostitutes washed themselves in it, according to the word of the Lord that had been spoken. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab, and all that he did, and the ivory house that he built, and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab slept with his fathers, and Isaiah his son reigned in his place. There ends our scripture reading. Any sincere and serious student or reader of the Bible gets amazed at what the scriptures reveal about the human nature but also what the scriptures reveal about themselves. God in his words, as the psalmist would say, show, shows us wondrous things in his word. This is not only applicable to the contents, but even to the manner in which the events are recorded for us. Take, for instance, the way the scriptures would, would give us different perspectives on events. This same account is also recorded in Chronicles. And when you look at how the scriptures gives us this different perspective on events, on one moment, you can be reading about a wide sweep of, of history, hundreds of years, and getting a bird's eye view or a panoramic view of God's dealings. And then the next moment, the scriptures zooms in on a particular event and brings out lessons from that particular event. The scriptures zooms on on a so ordinary an event. And when you dive to study the content and that particular event, you see the lessons that God has for us in that particular event. And one such event is in our passage and the verse of our consideration this morning, 1 Kings 22 and verse 34. 
As the scriptures in 2 Kings gives us this panoramic view of what was happening, Ahab and the false prophets, Micaiah or Micaiah the prophets against Ahab, it zooms on into this event, and in verse 34 we read, But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scaled armor and the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. So ordinary an event and yet so crucial to what God is doing. Here, we, the scriptures record for us an ordinary man in a battle. We don't even know his name. Fires or shoots an arrow at random. And yet, it proves God's providence. As simple as it seems, it shows God's sovereign power in all things. It reveals that what God had said through the lips of his servant were being fulfilled. And just a quick background to what is happening here. Ahab, the king of Israel, is determined to capture or recapture the city of Ramoth Gilead from his enemies, Ben Haddon, Ben Hadad, the king of Samaria. And this is a border town, a very strategic place. And this town had changed hands between Israel and Samaria several times. Ahab had made friends with the godly but naive Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And they formed an alliance. And this alliance was to go into battle against the Assyrians so that they can retake the city of Ramoth-Gilead. And this when you read the first part of this chapter, 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1, all the way to verse 5. And Jehoshaphat wants to know whether God's blessings is upon this venture. And of course, Jehoshaphat should have known from the onset that God was against such an alliance. God was not in the midst of this alliance. God was not going to approve this alliance, but he still wants to inquire whether the Lord is in this venture. And so he asks whether there is anyone who is of the servant of the Lord so that they can inquire whether they should go about this venture. Ahab, though is willing to satisfy his friend's principles, brings 400 false prophets who prophesied and assured the two kings that victory will be theirs. But Jehoshaphat is still feeling uncomfortable. There's just something about these 400 prophets and he inquires, is there yet another prophet of God whom we can inquire whether we should go about this venture? And Micaiah was brought on the scene. But Ahab did not like this prophet. And Ahab said, he doesn't say anything good about me. And when Ahab is sent to come, the servant of the king tells Ahab, everyone is speaking good to the king, so please do the same. And Micaiah responds, I will only utter that which the Lord gives. I can say no other. 
And when he's fetched out of prison, and he's, in, he's asked whether the Lord is upon this venture, Micaiah prophesies that he saw Israel scattered and men running in all directions. And then he prophesies and foretells the death of Ahab. And that's when you read from verse 17 all the way to verse 23. But Ahab was determined to go through this plan. And he was determined to prove this servant of God wrong. And in verse 27 of this passage, he says to, to, the, to Ahaz, and the king of Israel says, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Johas, the king's son. And he says, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him mega ratios of bread and water until I come in peace. Then Micaiah said, if you return in peace, the Lord has spoken by me. And he said, hear, O you peoples. Now what we see in, those passion, in that passage of scripture, rather, it clearly highlights to, high, to us God's sovereign power. And verse 34 is a tremendous testimony to God's sovereign power. And each time we talk of God's sovereignty, there are always reactions in extreme. For those who are non-Christians, their reaction is to prove that God is not in control of all things. They react in arrogant defiance to this God. They reject his truth. And they do everything to prove that there is no God. And if there is anything as a God, this God does not know all things. But for those of us who are Christians, that there are times when though we acknowledge that God is sovereign, there are times when we fail to link his sovereignty with his power. He's not just a God who is in control of all things. He's a God who is all-powerful and he can bring to pass everything which he himself has determined. And the time is coming when everyone who stands before him and God will vindicate himself and prove beyond reasonable doubt that he is not only a wise God, but a God who is sovereign and all-powerful. And as we open up this verse, the question I want to ask you this morning, as you begin 2024, how do you react to the truth that God is sovereign? This truth of God's sovereignty, what kind of reaction does it produce in you? Does it cause you to bow before this great God in worship and in acknowledgement to his sovereign will? Or does it cause you to want to prove that this God is wrong and therefore you want to you want to live your life in defiant arrogance to this great God. So let's open up that portion of scripture, that verse, and draw lessons for us this morning. The first thing I'd like to draw your attention to this morning is this. No amount of human disguise can hide you from God's sovereign power. No amount of human camouflage, human disguise, can hide you from God's sovereign power. And this is what we see when we read verse 30 to 33. 
And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. And what we see there is what is true of human beings in this world. Human beings try to cover themselves in vain from God's sovereign power. And this is what we see the king of Israel doing here. The king of Israel, although disrespectful of God's word through his prophet, Ahab thought it wise to still protect himself when he goes in battle, just in case what the prophet said was true. The word of the Lord had come to the king and those present that if they went ahead into battle, Ahab would be killed. But here is a man who arrogantly defies what God's servant said, and yet in, in, the in, in the inner hearts, deep down is conscious, he knows that there's 100% chance that what this man said is, may actually come to pass. And so he says to himself, and he says to the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself. I will go into battle as an ordinary soldier. But you, put on your royal robes. And obviously Ahab was thinking that if the soldiers saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they will attack him instead and kill him and I will be okay. And I will go in simply as a soldier, dressed like an ordinary soldier, and then I will show to Micaiah that he was wrong. And at first the plan seemed to be working. The Assyrians saw someone dressed in royal robes, and they pursued him. And when Joseph had cried, they realized that this is not the man. He's not the king. And that's why the, this 34 begins, but a certain man drew his bow at random. And that zooms in to show the change of the course in this passage. For a while, Ahab thought he would succeed with his plan. For a while, Ahab thought he was a genius. And Jehoshaphat, the godly, naive king of Israel, will be killed instead. And he will return to his palace. And then he will prove to all that not only is he a powerful king, but there is no god like his gods. And the prophet Micaiah was wrong. And if this had not happened, rather, or if Ahab had succeeded in his plans, he would have perhaps won the battle and God would not have fulfilled his word. And therefore, God's name would have been ridiculed. God's name, God's reputation anchored on the mouth, on the words of his prophet. God had spoken to his prophet and his reputation rested on this upon this occurrence. 
And God will ensure that that which he has spoken through his servant or through his words or in his word, he will make good and it will come to pass. He cannot lie. He cannot make a mistake. What he says will surely come to pass. And no one can hide himself from this sovereign power. This is the message to you this morning. No amount of disguise, of cover-up can hide you from a sovereign power. You can hide yourself in religious activities. And each time Yet each time when you sit under the preaching of God's word, your conscience tells you this is true. Believe it. Listen to what God is saying. Even when you go out in arrogance and you go out there and you drink in your sins, you know your conscience continues to tell you, listen to God's word. And in your sinful state, you decide, well, let me try and cover up myself with religious activities. Perhaps I may get away with it. Or maybe let me engage myself or attach myself to a church. Just maybe God may overlook my sins. And I want you to know God's sovereign power cannot be deceived. You cannot deceive God. He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows what goes through your conscience. And he's asking you to come to your senses and see your desperate need before this God. You can cover yourself and hide yourself from your fellow human beings, from your parents, from your siblings, from your friends at church, but not from God. No amount of human disguise can hide you from God's sovereign power. But secondly, we see that, that even acts or events that appear random to us are under God's sovereign power. Even acts or events that appear random to us are under God's sovereign power. Verse 34, but a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore he says to the driver of his chariot, turn around and carry me out of this battle, for I am wounded. For a while Ahab thought he's getting away with his plan. For a while he thought he was secure, dressed as an ordinary soldier. But the scriptures show us that God persuaded a man to take his bow and shoot at random. And from, from us, this appears or seems to be pure chance. Maybe this soldier had one last arrow. And he thought to himself, I'm far from my enemies. And he, he said, let me discharge this arrow in the direction of my enemies. And it appears pure chance. But you notice the sovereignty in that act. 
On one hand, we see God's sovereignty. Then the other side, we see the irony of God's justice. In the Syrian camp, this is called a lucky shot. In the camp of the Israelites, this was God fulfilling his word through the prophet. God had said Ahab will be killed on the battlefield if he went ahead into this venture. Ahab thought he was getting away with the prophecy. And we see here that the arrow of divine judgment always finds its mark. The arrow that this soldier drew from God's perspective had the name of Ahab written on it. In God's plan, there is nothing random. There's nothing random about this arrow. The arrow drawn at random by the soldier was released according to divine providence of God, guided by the wise God, the powerful God, and it went and reached its mark. In God's world, there's nothing random. Everything by him is planned. We see that the Lord can operate in the mind and the will of men, persuading them to do what he wants for his glory. For God has put into the hearts of men to carry out his purposes. And you find this in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 17, where the author writes that the tumor that was happening, all these beasts and whatever it is that is happening, they are all carrying out the purposes of a sovereign God. God has total access to the inner faculties of our beings. People are free agents only within God's secret providence. And when it comes to situations that seem random or situation that seems dependent upon human beings, we must not forget that only God is sovereign in this world. Only He does as He please. Proverbs 19 verse 21 tells us, Proverbs 19 verse 21, Many are the plans in the hand of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. A religious person or a worldly observer may come to this text and observe that this man did the right thing at the right time in the right place. It was blind chance. But when we come to the scriptures, we see and read that nothing happens by chance. Everything is working according to the purposes of God to fulfill his will for his glory. 
in a universe governed by a sovereign God. Nothing exists by chance. We can only talk about incidences, not accidents. Nothing happens by chance. Even the most casual of actions are determined by a wise God. Nothing happens by chance. The, the Ishmaelites that passed through the way near the pit in which Joseph was hidden was not by chance. Pharaoh's daughter going to bath at the spot where baby Moses' basket was was not by chance. Ruth going, beginning to glean in the field of Boaz was not by chance. There was a sovereign God guiding everything for his glory to that grand purpose to accomplish his purposes. And everything, though appear random from us, they are moving according to the purposes of God. God works all things after the counsel of his own will. Even the death of our dear brother, our missionary pastor, Emmanuel Masengesho, may appear to us random, an accident, as painful as it is, nothing happens by chance in God's wisdom, in God's universe. He plans all things, and we can only go to him and plead with him that he grants us grace as we process all these things. Here is a young man, zealously serving him, coming from a Bible study, not knowing that that would be the last study or an act of God's work you ever do on this side of eternity. And we see it and ask ourselves, but how? Perhaps if he did not get on the motorbike, perhaps if he got on a taxi, perhaps, perhaps, and all these things, but God is saying, he has come home. And my point is this, we must have, we should have a God-centered view of all human situations. That even things that happen uh, as if they are acts that are random, we must recognize that this is the, it's God's world. And in God's universe, nothing happens by chance. He plans all things. He's moving everything to that grand announcement when everyone will be called to account for their actions. And you are part of that grand scheme. And every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, and every year that passes by, you are either fulfilling God's purposes willingly or unwillingly. But either ways, you are doing its purpose. And one day, you stand before this God and you will give an account to him. It's not by chance that God was pleased that you should be in his house today. It's for him to once again speak to your conscience and bring you to your knees and see that your only hope out of your sins is in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for your sins. Nothing, nothing, nothing happens by chance in God's universe. Everything by him is planned. Which side are you? Willingly doing his will or stubbornly like Ahab rejecting God but still fulfilling his purpose. 
And in the third place, we see the accuracy of God's sovereign power. The accuracy of God's sovereign power. The accuracy of God's sovereign power. Verse 34 and the last part. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale hammer and the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. God is specific in his dealings with his creation. The text there tells us that the arrow struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Ahab went onto the field. He wore pieces of body protection fitted and strapped together. Tiny gaps were the only possible places where something could penetrate and cause harm to the king. And yet we see and read there, the arrow of this unnamed soldier zoomed right into one of those tiny gaps and entered the body and eventually killing the king. God directed the flight of this arrow. The arrow, as I said, had the mark, the name of Ahab written on it. Divine judgment always gets its mark, its target. The arrow was a tool in the hands of a sovereign God to accomplish his purpose. There is never a hit and miss with God. God does it right the first time, and there's no need for a second try or a second chance. A sovereign providence hit the tiny gaps and achieved its purpose. Even in the smallest of matters, they are subjected to divine accuracy. Even the smallest of events are subjected to divine accuracy. God's work is perfect. And we see here, small things. One man, with his impulse or his age, to get his arrow and just shoot at random. The joint of Ahab's armor, those tiny gaps. Yet, in such matters, as small as they seem, God worked out his purposes for his glory. The man was God's servant. The arrow was God's servant. The prophet was God's servant. Everything on the battlefield was God's servant. God is in control of all things. Even human impulses. He is in control. The scriptures tell us even the death of a sparrow is not outside of God's providence. God had clearly said 
Ahab will be killed. He was in control of the soldier, the arrow, the flight of the arrow, and the point to which it would strike. And all these things teaches us one thing. God is precise in his dealings. Don't mess with God when he wants. When the scriptures tell us that there is an eternal fire set out for all those who have lived or would live their lives in rebellion against this God and live this world having not been reconciled to God, there is hell waiting for them. Don't mess with God. Don't think that you miss his target of, of divine judgment. Don't brush it off and think this year is simply another year. I'll mellow through the months ahead of me. I'll do what I want. I'll enjoy myself. I will not listen to these threats from the pulpit or from God's word. I will live my life. And I'm saying to you, God's sovereign power is accurate. You find yourself in hell and you'll be reminded of all the warnings from God's word. All the warnings that came to you via different avenues. Don't brush off God's dealings. He will crush you. The warnings of God are real. And as I say to you this morning, everything in this universe serves the purpose of this great God. I don't know what God has in store for you this year. What is it that God will use to bring you to your senses? I don't know what it is that God will use to cause you to see that the pursuit of this world are nothing compared to his love for you. I don't know what it is that God will use in his toe to bring you to see that nothing in this world can satisfy you. I don't know what it is that God will use in his toe to cause you to cry with the hymn writer, take my life and let it be. I don't know what God has in store for you. But one thing I know, he is accurate. And whatever it is that you allow to come your way, is under the sovereign power of the Holy God. Or that you may willingly come to God And turn away from a life of sin and save him. All that you may be reconciled to this God today. The summary we see in this passage is that there are three kinds of sovereignty in this story. There's what I, what I refer to as situational sovereignty, where, which basically says God has control over all things, even over wars and conflicts. Even the desire for men to go to war, God is sovereign. And you see this when you read verse 1 all the way to verse 5 of 1 Kings 22. It's situational sovereignty. Even there, God is in control. But we also see spiritual sovereignty. God has control over everyone and everything, even evil spirits. And you see when you read, you can see this when you read in 1 Kings 22, verse 19, all the way to verse 23. God was speaking 
to his servants. They did not listen. And when Micaiah prophesied, he said, this is what I saw. There were a multitude on the left and the right of God. And one of the spirits says, I will go down and lie through the lips of the prophets. But you still see that even then, that lying spirit did not have, does not have a sovereignty. He still needs permission from God. If you want to listen to the truth, if you want to know the truth, God will tell you his truth through his word. He will sanctify you by the truth. His word is truth. But if you want to be deceived, he controls the lying spirits as well. He will allow you to be deceived, to follow the dictates of your itching ears. He is in control. Even in the spiritual realm, the evil spirits do not have sovereignty. Only God is sovereign over all things. And the last thing we see is specific sovereignty. And that is what in the text we are looking at, verse 34. Specific sovereignty. And this is the one that amazes me the most. To most, they call this as coincidence. But it's not. It's God accomplishing his purpose even in that specific situation. This truth that God is sovereign must cause all of us to our knees bowing before this God worshipping this God and trusting ourselves to this God. He is sovereign. He does as he pleases. And those who come to him willingly in faith and in repentance, believing in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of their sins, he shows himself as a God of love a God of mercy, a God who forgives sin. And those who reject this truth in arrogant defiance, wanting to hide themselves in religious activities, attaching themselves to a church, or believing false religion, God reveals himself to such as a God of divine wrath. And he can use anything in this world to fulfill his judgment upon anyone who defiantly rejects his sovereign rule. And the time is coming when all the world will stand before him to give an account to their lives, of their lives. And in that moment, you will realize that all this time, I was trying to fight a God who is sovereign and all-powerful. And in that moment, you realize the folly of trying to do just that. But it will be too late. Because that will be a day for your judgment. To give an account to God. And he will usher you into the lake of fire. And there, you will vindicate his name. That he is a God who is true a God who knows all things, a God who works according to the counsel 
of his will for his glory. And all those who on that day will be found in Christ will bow their knees in gratitude that in the course of this in the course of their life on earth they lived in sin they heard the gospel and turned away from sin and they put their hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and on that day they will see how God in his mercy found them, saved them, and brought them to himself in Christ. As we begin this year, you can't fight God. You can't win against a sovereign power. He works all things according to his will. My prayer is that you may look and live. Look to Jesus and live. Only Christ can save you from your sins and reconcile you to his Father, the God of the universe. Don't continue the, your life the same this year with the knowledge that you are rebelling against a sovereign power who can use anything in his universe to bring you to your senses and to cause you to see your sins before him. Don't allow him to bring sickness, loss of a job, or any other calamity upon you, bow willingly to him and come to Christ today. Amen.